Hey, y'all. Good morning. Um, I am going to be doing our scripture reading for the day. So if you join me um, and getting to the scripture, it is Amos 5, 14 through 17, 21 through 24. Sorry, y'all. Seek God and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the, the Lord, in all the squares there shall be wailing, and in all the streets they shall say, Alas, alas, they shall call the farmers to mourning, and those skilled in lamentation to wailing. In all the vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. I hate I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies, even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. I will take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's the word today, y'all. Hey, everybody. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And along with Cameron, I am a pastor here at Zao MKE Church. And um, today, uh, in place of a traditional sermon, Cameron and I are going to have a discussion about the uprising, about what's going on. Um, we are going to talk about rioting, and we're going to talk about the police. We're going to talk about activism, what we're doing here, the prayer vigil. Um, but we thought we would start off with a scripture um, a classic scripture from the prophets, from the prophet Amos. A lot of people like to quote that last line, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. But they conveniently leave out the part where, where God says, I want that more than your worship. And, and when God says, I hate, I despise your festivals, your worship, I don't even want to hear your songs, that can seem really harsh. And it's not, um, it's not meant to be a universal proclamation. That's not meant to say we should shutter our doors and never worship again and never sing to the Lord. Um, scripture tells us to do those things constantly. But it is a, a bold statement from the prophet uh, Amos and from God saying, there comes a time when your worship does not cut it. There comes a time when what is required is wailing in the streets. There comes a time when actually the, the worship and the music sort of curdles because it has gone sour, because what really is needed is justice. And the only thing that will make it nourishing again, our worship nourishing again, is if we wail and if we bring justice where it is needed. Um, 
And if ever there was a time to spend in that text, I think it's now. We are taking a pause from our relationship series, It's Complicated, to talk about something else that's really complicated. And uh, that is not a divergence from uh, celebrating Pride Month. In fact, this is really getting to the roots of pride, um, where queer love is celebrated, and so are um, black folks, black trans women in particular, who led the Stonewall Riot that gave us pride, that has given queer folk everywhere um, rights and space that we are still celebrating and fighting to expand. So uh, I'm really excited for you to join in this conversation with Cameron and I. We have a couple things that we wanna talk about, but we would love to hear from you all what your questions are. What is it that you need to hear from your pastors right now about what's going on um, in the streets and in our building, in our sanctuary? Um, so Cameron's gonna keep an eye on our um, Q&A there but I have notes that I failed to bring over. Um, Cameron, anything else you want to say by way of introduction? Only that, I'm exhausted. I said this before and like, you know, um, this came, it came out of nowhere and it didn't come out of nowhere, right? And so um, I think that it is 100% appropriate that this is on Pride like in Pride Month, um, I think this is a topic that like uh, the queer community needs to freaking talk about. Um, and so like I'm excited that we are um, having like a Pride Parade-ish thing happening today that is literally a Black Lives Matter protest. Um, and like that's what that actually should be every year. Um, and so but it's exhausting. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm excited to like do this because I think it, we need to have this discussion. We need to flesh some of this out. But at the same time, like I'm tired, y'all. So if I start, <laughs> you know, uh, spouting some random things, let's have some off off the line uh, conversations about it because that might happen. We don't know. We don't know. And there's been a little bit of a tumbling out of the mouth uh, situation lately, where you know, as we talk, as we're in the streets, as we're online, um, you know, we've, we've been catching the spirit a bit and, uh, and then having to come to terms with the prophetic word that God is offering us, even if it wasn't what we expected to say. Um, and that's an interesting um, experience as well. For sure. So let's, let's start with pride, actually. Um, I think, you know, we've seen pride, the, the corporatization of pride has been a really frustrating and disappointing thing um, and also something that I've like directly participated in. Um, I will I will show the camera that I have my um, trans on top, uh, rainbow on the bottom, Chuck <laughs> Taylors on, which I was thrilled to uh, like I would I would have bought them and, and instead I received them as a, a really welcome birthday gift. Um, and so there's there's beauty in in seeing pride promulgated in so many spaces, but there's also a cost that has come with that, which is that now cops are everywhere at Pride, even though it was originally a riot against police brutality. Um, there's a whitewashing of Pride all over the place, even though it was led by black and brown women. Um, do you have any anything to speak on that and what it means to you to like feel this shift as it's as Black Lives Matter is um, shaping pride this year? Yeah, I just want to be clear. There are racist queer people. 
there are racist trans people, right? So like, um, and, I, and by that I mean there are racist white queer people, there are racist <laughs> white trans people. Um, and so this is a thing that needs to happen. Our oppression is tied together. Um, part of what we do is pit, you know, pit things against each other so that the, the top can like watch and we all yell about it on the bottom, right? And so um, this is something that has to be talked about. If you are queer and racist, like deal with yourself. Um, and so, and at the, same, at the same time, like it's beautiful that this is like a topic that we get to talk about and there are things that you can pick up um, at Target, you know? Um, but I think what, what this does for me um, is remind me of, of and I'm, here we go, uh, remind me of churches who put a, uh, a pride flag on their door and then say, like, come on in, but you have to be white and you have to be a, a queer couple that looks exactly like a straight couple. And you have to, you know, definitely not say Black Lives Matter because that's actually way too much to talk about here, even though we put a pride flag um, on our door and like and as a trans person like that doesn't mean it doesn't mean as much to me because like I don't know if even if you put a pride flag on your door does that include me because I'm trans and in the in the queer community do we talk about like gender and like what it's like to be trans and so there's all these things that are just like intersecting that um, I think again this is just a beautiful time to like bring this out because like I'm black, I'm queer, I'm trans, and all of those things make me me. And so I can't pull those things apart and they shouldn't be. Like we should be able to say black lives matter and that means all black lives. Absolutely. So what, is there any danger in churches doing the same thing now that like the phrase Black Lives Matter, I mean, it was like painted by the city of DC on the street leading up to the White House, which is uh, hard for me to even comprehend uh, given who's in the White House and what the actions of the administration have been towards black and brown people. Um, so as the slogan Black Lives Matter gets corporatized in the same way that, that the rainbow has, what, what do churches need to do? What do people of faith need to do to make sure that we are still radically gospel-oriented um, towards the gospel truth that Black Lives Matter and queerness is beautiful rather than the corporate slogans of rainbowness and, and hashtag Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, and I, I hope for at Zao, we have a lens that says, like, who is, who is the most vulnerable, right? And so like, that's why Black Lives Matter came out. Um, but for me, that, that means like, that is a, a black trans woman who's, uh, who has some sort of disability, right? Like those are like, we have to start there. And you know, and I know that that's, it's hard to do in like a catchy slogan, right? But like, there's reason why like, I have this shirt and not just a Black Lives Matter shirt, right? Like we have to identify and keep pushing in further and further and further of like, well, did we really mean Black Lives Matter if we're not caring about like black trans women who are the most murdered people like in, in America, right? So like we have to be clear about what we mean if we're gonna put a, a, a flashy um, you know, phrase out there. Yeah, and you have said, um, 
that there's this kind of, um, like how do we keep true to that without replicating a purity culture that says if you didn't already understand this before, you're not, you know, you're not welcome work now. Yeah, yeah. Something that like I've been struggling with specifically this week are all my like newly white allies, right? Um, there's all these always white, oh. <laughs> newly allies. Right, <laughs> right, right. You're always white, but like all the newbies in the fight, right? And I have all my really respected black folks out here um, who are like. Uh, and similarly, we don't trust you. Why would we? Why should we? Like, we've been fighting this fight for our whole lives and our whole gener and generations and generations and generations. Like, where were you? Um, and I share that sentiment. Like, where were you? Is this what it took for you to show up? And also, you're here, right? Uh, so, like, welcome. Uh, welcome to the fight. You have a lot of learning to do. You have a lot of trust to rebuild, but like welcome. Um, and I don't, I don't want to be a person who does hold that purity culture because that's unhealthy for me um, personally to like, I have grief that I need to work through. I have anger that I need to work through um, because of all of the oppression, because of you not showing up, right? But like there has to be room at the table of liberation. And liberation only comes when we're all free, right? And so if somebody is stepping up to the table of liberation, even if they don't know what they're signing up for, like I want to make space for that because we need more and more and more and more people to like show up. So, I, you know, if you are white and newly here, welcome. You have a lot to do. And we've talked about that before. It was probably about a year ago. I don't know. We were at the Miramar. Um, we were doing the parable series and we talked about the the prodigal son and how um, how that maps on to some of what we're doing now which is um, you know it's of course it makes sense for those who have been laboring those who have been faithful um, to the call to justice to feel really really betrayed by by the folks who have just like absconded into the night with their own double share of the resources and and wasted it and squandered it and come crawling back saying oh maybe this wasn't good for me um to just bask in my privilege <laughs> and like you know finding their way back to the work um but but the forgiving father who is god even if there's there's pain in the family that needs to be resolved there's repentance that needs to happen um, God's ultimate response, the forgiving father's ultimate response is actually to celebrate, um, to say, welcome to the party, welcome, welcome to the family, welcome to the work, because all will be made more whole when we are doing this work together. Um, and so we need to hold that tension, you know, the repentance that needs to happen for folks who, um, who have, have, you know, abdicated their responsibility in the past, um, and also the, the gratitude we have for the folks who have been laboring and the kind of, all right, now we're all in it together. How do we do this as family and, and genuinely celebrate one another's arrival, um, which is hard. It sounds like it's that really is hard. hard. Like, yeah, because I mean, there's just so much pain. There's so much anger and it's righteous anger, you know, um, like living in a world that like says you don't matter, uh, burn it down you know like that's like burn it down and um yeah I don't know and it's like if 
if allies are walking in and being like, I'm here, Black Lives Matter, but like, but don't, don't burn things. Like, nope, we're not, you're not here yet, right? Yeah. And like, you have to understand my rage. You have to understand my pain. And like, you don't ever actually understand, but like, you don't get, you don't get to tell me that I don't get to have rage. So that brings me to something that you said last week. Um, you said rioting <laughs> is holy. Um, and that was, I think, another one of those prophetic moments where something true came tumbling out of you, and then later you were sort of like, huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, what has been your reflection on that in the last week? How can you f give flesh to that prophetic truth that riding is holy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gave some biblical examples of, um, you know, the Exodus story and how um, when the the Egyptians were you know enslaving a people and and God sent Moses and Moses walks in and is like let my people go right um, and that's what black folk have been doing right like let us be free let us live um, and Pharaoh kept saying no 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 because this benefits me and so God plagues uh, Egypt right like locusts and I don't know you frogs, frogs blood and, right all these things and still no 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 and then God murders okay God murders children and that's when Pharaoh's like fine go ahead go and then God was like now I have found favor in the Israelites go plunder uh go plunder them and they did they were like heck yeah I'm going to take all these things and here we go, right? That was one example. Um, and maybe we can flesh that out a little more because I think that there's some stuff there. Um, but then like Jesus, right? Jesus is in, in the temple. Jesus is like, you have turned this uh, holy place into a pit of, of thieves and goes in and makes up a cord and starts whipping people up and like turning over tables. And like, that sounds pretty violent to me right that sounds a lot like if if we had automobiles maybe god would have like set one on fire and was like yeah right um that sounds like what jesus was doing to me um and so for me i was like riding is holy like jesus is god and if jesus is god here doing this this is holy and then i was like oh i just said that um but i think there's another piece of of healing that says uh, like we are on this earth to flourish um, and God wants our flourishing God wants us to heal and I think that there is something very holy uh, about working through your healing and if you are a people who have been oppressed for generations and generations there are some things that we need to release and I think that that is a holy act to do that in a nonviolent way. And guess what? I don't think property uh, can take violence, right? So I think it's holy that we are burning down a police station rather than going and doing the thing that people are doing to us, which is murder. And that's where it has to then get complicated and cycle back to Exodus where God's murdering children. That's why I like this ser this series because it said it's complicated because I think that's a complication in that story. Like 
We say we don't murder. The Ten Commandments say, you know, thou shalt not kill. But here comes God killing little babies. Uh, that's complicated. Yeah. And, and for me, the Exodus story is allegory, which is really important. And there are truths that we can claim. It's, it's like when, it, when the scripture says, I hate your worship. I despise your festivals. Stop singing. I don't even want to hear it. You guys are terrible. Like, that's, it's, a, it's an explosive expression of a true concept that can't be held as absolute. Um, so I just got real heady there. But like in Exodus, for instance, I think there, I think that a, a true thing is that I believe that oppression is bad for all people, right? Oppression is bad for all people. The folks who suffer the most immediate and profound consequences are the oppressed. It's bad for the oppressors also. And so I think that the Exodus story is an allegory for how when the Egyptians enslave the Israelites, uh, it does irreparable, I guess not, nothing's irreparable under God, everything is redeemable, but like deep, profound damage to the Egyptians, and that the plagues are the consequences of their evil uh, indulgence of sin, uh, enslaving the Israelites, and they, they suffer and their children suffer, and it's not until they fully understand that their children are dying. Uh, that, that they finally release folks, and they do it begrudgingly. And I think that that is an absolutely parallel story to what is happening here. That, like, white folks aren't understanding that oppression of black folks is hurting white folks too, um, and it takes hurting white folks and for them to feel that pain in order to begrudgingly uh, release their, their systems of oppression. Uh, and, and God grant, like, and I think the looting thing in Exodus is God just blessing the shit out of reparations <laughs> and saying, like, yes, it's not Pay enough. Me. It's not enough to, like, end the, the horrible enslavement that you have been um, perpetrating for generations. You also have to give up what you've stolen and, and offer it back. Um, and it is right and righteous for the, the previously enslaved to take it. So for me, that's allegory, and it's actually not God's hand that kills those children. It's not God's hand that makes those rivers run with blood. It's not God's hand that, that swarms them with locusts. It is their own sinfulness coming back to haunt them. And it's not until they can put it together like, oh, right, this is because we've done something horrendous. We will release that. And, and in that story, the Egyptians figure that out and then forget it 10 minutes later and, and go after folks. And so I think that that's another thing for us to hold in mind. Like, this is a moment, this is a come to Jesus moment for white people in this country. Um, white folks are going to forget that in 10 minutes. So what do we, the faithful, need to do um, as, as, as white folks, as black folks, as um, uh, uh, other people of color? Like, how do our faithful communities that are seeking after the gospel, um, prepare to part the waters, prepare to uh, resource folks in the desert, prepare for the white system to, to crash in on itself, even if some of those folks were, were with black folks a few minutes ago. Um, so that, I mean, there are, there are incredible truths in the Exodus story, and I don't think that the lesson is we murder children, right. I, but I right. do think that the lesson is that like there is there is harm involved in these systems, and uh, and it, and the thing that is blessed by God is release from slavery, slavery, liberation, uh, reparations, and and anyone who is supporting the the exodus into freedom. Whew. Good job. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think this gets, uh, we've been talking a whole lot, and I want to get 
to some of uh, the comments, I, I saw at the very beginning one question from Taylor that I think is really essential for us to, to get into, which is, I believe, and maybe we can scroll up, but something to the effect of like, well, how do black folks um, find God in the midst of all of this? Um, and I don't know if you want to think on that or just, just speak, um, speak to it. You tell me. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I don't speak for all black people. Um, but for me, I do the only hope. <laughs> Some days are literally like, I wish I could turn, I guess I could, but I wish I could turn the camera and just look at our church um, stained glass and there's a brown Jesus, right? Um, and for me, that's the thing that brings me hope that I know um, that Jesus was literally fighting the same fight and that God, God's self decided to like ascend here to earth to like fight this exact fight. Um, and, and Jesus was the brown one, right? Jesus wasn't the, the white one, um, you know, Jesus was the brown one. Um, and, and for me, uh, I meant it, you know, earlier that said like, Jesus gave his life for this. And for a lot of us brown folk, that's what we've been doing and we're gonna keep having to do that. And that feels overwhelming. I'm trying so hard not to swear today. <laughs> um, that feels overwhelming um, to know that like, this is gonna be a fight for my whole life, um, but I'm gonna give my life just like Jesus did to it, I'll tell you that. Um, and the other thing I'm gonna do just like Jesus did I hope is to to gather all of the margins because there's 99% of us are the margin, right? Like, uh, and if we all could just get together, um, we can make the kingdom that Jesus came here and told us about. Um, so that's my hope. Uh, my hope is that this is a catalyst for something uh, for change. There has been a lot of really good stuff that has already come and also we are not done and it is not even close to done, right? Um, but that's where, that's where I can find hope. Um, and the other thing is like, we have to find spaces to heal. Um, we have to find spaces that are safe and white people need to stay, the, need to stay away from them. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm trying not to swear. They need to stay away from them because they need to be places of healing. We need to have places that like we can have these kind of conversations. We need to have spaces where I can talk to other people of color, in fact, um, and other white folks and say, how do we gather together and bring all, you know, and, and, and fight the 1%. Um, but I need a space to be safe and to be known and to be understood and to heal. And I think that if we as, as black people um, find those spaces to heal, we can only go out even, even better you know so um, yeah, that's absolutely. me but I, I just want to yeah I just want to note that many of our community members are explicitly giving you permission to swear oh. um, saying that we have space for your rage I know um, I've just been saying a lot of <laughs> f-bombs in the last couple days like even at home I'm just like f, 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 and I'm like I don't I don't swear this much like I swear <laughs> but not this much and so I'm like get it together for Sunday things are running high yeah running hot today. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think that there's um, uh, there's something else to be said about, like, if we're trying to be like Jesus as well in terms of rest. 
so we've been talking about this at home, that Jesus had, um, Jesus had the power to heal everyone he touched, and crowds would like throng and, and come and press in on him, uh, and he could just touch them or sometimes connect with them through their own faith from across the, the field, <laughs> and they would be healed. And, uh, and he would still just sometimes bounce. He would just be like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna escape in this boat because there's no way for me to get out of here. I'm gonna take a nap. Um, I'm gonna go up the hill, and I'm just gonna spend some time by myself with God. Uh, you know what? We're just gonna have some dinner with friends right now. And I just keep thinking, like, I can't even do anything. Like, I can't even actually heal anybody, and I still can't get myself to just like <laughs> leave and take a freaking nap. Um, so." there's something to be learned there as well of the faithfulness to um to the body and you know jesus had a body and jesus was faithful to it faithfulness to the spirit which needs respite and support um and and i mean like even the time that jesus spent with his disciples was like him recouping with friends um and so if we want to do this long term and we've been talking about what does this look like if we're in the streets long term how do we make that possible and some of it involves support and rest and so um i would say you know connecting to god through through rest um through fun and laughter is also really really powerful in this time and taylor specifically in your question of like how do black folks connect with god um in the midst of all of this uh I can, I can only speak as your white pastor, but I will say that, that the God of the universe is first and foremost your God as a black woman. Um, like the, the God of the scriptures, the God of the Israelites, the God of the chosen people chose the people who, like that was like a name that folks claimed because they were just oppressed for generation after generation. And they're like, you know what? God chose us. So like all of you with all the weapons and all the money and all the power, like you may have that, but we're chosen by God and God stands with us in all of this. And so actually our entire Judeo-Christian narrative is about how God condemns the things that are happening out there um, in terms of like empire and white supremacy and that God has chosen black people and that God has specifically and, and specially blessed black people um, whatever that means in that moment. And and James Cone has done some incredible work about this if folks are interested in reading theology. Um, he's like, he's the father of black liberation theology, James Cone, uh, but writes about how blackness is holy and and chosen by God. And so I think there, I, I can't answer the question of like how, how folks, um, how black people having this current experience of the world can find God, but I can remind you that this is your God more than God is my God, which is true even as we hold that God is the God of all and God is my God and all those things. Like that can be true, God is my God, and also it's also true that God is more your God, and the narratives are more for you than for anyone else. Um, and so I think that, that holding on to that special relationship that, that black folks have with God um, is, is powerfully important right now. Hmm. Do we have any more questions in the thread? We, we got a thousand things to talk about. I know, I was like, I don't know how we're gonna get, I think somebody did ask like, how do we make this sustainable? Like what are things that we can do to make changes? Alicia Crosby's challenge to support and invest in Black Rest. Mm, yeah. 
Um, I stand Alicia Crosby. I know. We love Alicia. Oh. Um, had the joy of, of knowing her uh, when we were both in Chicago. Um, yeah, so, okay. Uh, the comments are, are wonderful, and so let's keep that going. I don't see any, like, just straight-up questions we could pull out. But I do want to, you know, uh, you have been sharing that you've uh, been more emotional lately. And are, are you able to just sort of share some of that with our community and talk about what that's been like for you? Yeah, so I don't cry, okay? It's true. Um, like, I don't cry. I, it's weird. I mean, so I'm trans. Oh, didn't know if you knew that. Um, but, like, during transition, and even before, I wasn't a huge crier, but, like, some of my transition, like, I stopped crying. <laughs> like, like, done. Um, and so this last week, holy crap, like, I have been crying. And it's like, I think that's part of maybe like some of this healing that I need to do. Like, I, I hope that I can, you know, get some of that out there. But like, I've been crying and y'all, you know, today you're going to hear a song um, that Taylor and I put together um, by Common Hymnal. And like, I had to re-record, I had to record that for an hour, um, just my vocals, because I couldn't get through it without crying about every, you know every couple seconds and it and like yesterday I was like just sending it to people and I was crying just like hearing the first like little bit like I've just been so emotional and I think like all of this just you know it it goes on it's like a whole body experience of you know not wearing not knowing where to put my rage not knowing where to put my sadness not not um, trying to hold it together to say like, hey, you people are all good, everything's fine, but like actually it's not okay. This is not okay, and it's okay to like say that it's not okay, and that's something that I've really had to deal with this week, um, and that's led me to doing a bunch of weird crying that I haven't done in, in literally two years. Like I, I think I've cried one time, maybe twice in the last two years, um, and I've just been crying all week. Um, but like, that's for my healing. I think crying is good. And, um, this is really opening up just a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know? So, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. And I think maybe the last piece of our discussion is like, what, what can we do? I think that's a question that a lot of folks are asking. Um, what can we do? How do we live? How do we be faithful in this moment? Um, so if you want to talk, speak to that at all, um, I'd love to share a little bit about, you know, what's going on here at the building um, and explain how folks can get involved in that and today at the, yeah. at the march. But I don't know if you have anything generally to say to that. Like, how do we be faithful in this moment? Yeah. I mean, one, like, listen to black people. Um, listen to black women. Um, that's something that's just, like, that's making me upset that, like, you know, we're raising up a bunch of black men, which we need, like, we need black men leaders. Um, but there are women out there that are doing amazing, incredible things, and they are getting no time. Like, what? Like, that's a whole nother topic, right? Like, misogyny. Let, let's, again, let's talk about intersections of oppression, oppression right? Um, but, like, listen to black women. Uh, listen to black leadership. Um, I think there are some really amazing, like, young people who are, ra are rising up and saying, like, 
I'm I'm new and I have new ideas. Like listen to those ideas. Um, lit like check into lit here in Milwaukee. Leaders igniting transformation. Um, they had demands that they put out. Um, the African American Roundtable put out demands that they have for our city here in Milwaukee, at least that like we need to be um, amplifying and demanding. And so like this isn't just like a march around with like Black Lives Matter signs. Like we need to get organized and we need to get our demands in order and we need to demand them until they get given to us, right? Um, and so one of one of those things for me is like we need to have a discussion about policing, y'all. Like we need to have a discussion about the fact that there are other ways to um, keep people safe in communities that don't have a military, I'm sorry, uh, the police in our neighborhoods. Um, and so that is a possibility and we need to be having that discussion. Um, we need to be having a discussion about how, you know, what are they asking? Like the African American Roundtable is asking for like $150 million. Like you, that is so much money that could be put into mental health for for black and brown communities that could be put into like housing resources for black and brown communities that could be put in and like, do you know what we could do with $150 million if we just took, and that's not even probably the whole sum of the money that gets put into policing. Are you kidding? Um, so like those are things that we have to be talking about because if we continue to do what we continue to do, we're gonna continue to get what we've been getting. And so like, those are some things that I, we need to do. We need to get organized. We need to have this discussion, even though everybody is fearful of like, how do I, how do we have a different world, right? And I think that the, the, one of the biggest sins is not having a prophetic imagination that things could be the kingdom that Jesus brought us, that Jesus brought to this earth, right? Like Jesus has, uh, told us what that can look like and nowhere in that was like yes Roman soldiers let's get more of those right um, yes chief Morales like let's like yes you are the one who's being crucified BS like no like there are ways for us to be an like and imagine a world and this kingdom that like Jesus said was supposed to be here and could be here he gave us the way yeah and I think that there, in, in our community specifically, we've been saying abolish ICE. And that's something that people have, I mean, like that's, that's a little controversial, but our, our community is on board with abolish ICE. Um, I would love for us to all get on the same page about abolishing the police. Uh, and, and you can talk about it in different ways, but I think that having these conversations with one another and in our communities, um, you know, bringing our prophetic imagination to what the, the world could look like uh, in a Jesus kingdom rather than a kingdom of empire. And, and if you want to talk about, you know, demilitarize the police, great. Uh, defund the police, fantastic. Disarm the police, yes, immediately. Now. And, you know, maybe all those are steps towards abolishing the police. And part of what we need to have a conversation about is like, well, what are the ways to keep our community safe that would be holy? What are the ways that would be um, that would be grassroots? What are the ways that would, would be for the liberation of black people? Can I give an example? Please. I'll tell you an example. It happened last night. Uh, Stephanie, <laughs> I don't know what her na last name is. I'm Spitting not- Stephanie Spitting Stephanie is what she- Stephanie. There was a huge protest throughout Shorewood, Whitefish Bay, uh, Milwaukee yesterday. And in the midst of that, Spitting Stephanie spat on a black child. 
Like, she got out of her car, parked her car, stopped the protest, and everybody was like, get back in your car and get out of here. We're protesting. She gets out of her car and starts yelling at people. And so a circle started to happen, and she looked at a young black uh, boy and spat on him. Okay? Uh, People surrounded her and helped her get out of the way because I'm sure she was fearful of her life for that moment. So that's community safety right there. They kept her safe, even though she should have been arrested at that moment. There are police around. They could have come anyway. But and for context, because I'm not sure everybody knows this, but like you work in the court system and you see black people all the time who are locked up with felony charges for spitting on police officers. Yes, they will absolutely. If you spit on a police officer, you are getting charged. You are getting charged. Like, and if you're in jail and you spit on a correctional officer in the jail, you get extra charges. Like, this happens all the time, right? And so they let, she got in her car and went away. And guess what? Black women got on the internet and was like, oh, no, you're not spitting on my, my people. Uh, Shavonda Sisson. She was like, oh no, oh no. She found out where she lives, what her phone number is, and ended up, the police were at her door arresting her last night. And that's because we, there are ways for us to police our community and do it in a, in a safe way that says, this is our community and we will not stand for crap that happens. So there are ways. And that is a, a prime example of how that could happen. So abolish the police doesn't mean uh, total chaos. It means relying on the systems and support and relationships of our community to come up with better solutions that actually serve black and brown communities instead of target and oppress black and brown communities. Also, go pay Shavonda Sisson right now because she did the job of the police last night. Go pay her. So, um, and this is a conversation we can continue having as community. So if you're in our threads right now, if you're watching this and you're really uncomfortable with the idea that, uh, that your pastors have said we should abolish the police, like, well, let's have this conversation. Let's, let's do the, the prophetic and holy work of dialogue. We talk about at Dao all the time about how scripture is an invitation into, uh, into discussion, dialogue, and discernment that the scriptures are in conversation with one another where one person will will make a case for one thing and another person will make a case for another and the holy work is discerning um the the beauty and truth of 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 love and of the love of god so like we don't all have to be 100 percent on the same page about the things Cameron and I are on the same page about this one, but um, but we can have this conversation as community, and I think that having this conversation in our broad communities is holy work and is a way um, to 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 hold hold the Egyptians to the the crack in the structures of oppression, right, and not just let us go charging after um, the Israelites as they are on their way out of captivity. Uh, there are some other things that we're doing right now that you can do and participate in. Um, from wherever you are, whether you're in um, whether you're in Seattle or Aurora or Milwaukee and not able to leave your home, um, there are many ways to participate in what we're doing. So if you haven't caught up on, on all the things that we're up to at Dow right now to support the protests and support the uprising in Milwaukee, um, we have opened up the building. We're trying to do this safely as possible. Um, 
And so we're requiring everybody to wear masks when they're, when they're in the building and not on camera. Um, we are having regular cleaning schedules and all that kind of stuff, but we have opened the space to be a supply drop and distribution center along a massive community-led supply chain um, supporting protesters and folks in the streets. And so we have a ton of medical supplies, we have a ton of uh, food and water, we have some other um, logistical supplies, and we are collecting them and distributing them. You can, you can participate um, if you're able to come and uh, take a shift. We, we have to keep the building staffed. Um, so one of the things you could do is volunteer to be a part of the staffing for the uh, drop and distribution center. We are also hosting a medic training in about 21 minutes. <laughs> um, and we're hoping to co continue collaborating with Forward Action Street Medics to, to provide space and resourcing for folks who wanna be trained in protest-related first aid and other kinds of street medic um, opportunities. So uh, keep posted there. And, and finally, we are holding a 24-hour prayer vigil at Zao. And what that means is that we are trying to cover this entire movement in prayer. We are trying to ground what's happening here. A lot of what is playing out is uh, deeply affected and shaped by trauma, which does not invalidate it. It just means that it needs more support, um, that we need the Holy Spirit to be grounding and resourcing folks as we're all in the streets, as we're all in our homes, um, as we're commenting online or taking in news or, or shouting in, in front of the police station, wherever we are, we need the Holy Spirit to ground us. Um, so if you want to be a part of that prayer process, uh, first of all, you can just commit yourself to praying regularly for, uh, for black leadership and for protesters, for allies, for anybody in the street putting, putting their lives at risk um, for the sake of justice. You can uh, sign up if you want for an actual shift in our, in our prayer vigil. Um, you can do that uh, pinned to our Facebook page uh, at Zion KE Church is, um, is kind of an email explaining all of this, including links to where you can sign up um, for a slot in the, in the 24 hour vigil. And if you want, you can hold that energy here in this space. So that kind of overlaps with the volunteering to run the, the distribution site. But um, it's, it, it's interesting to be here during this time. And I, I, if any of you know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram eight. Uh, I so is Cameron and so both of us are like geared up keyed up all the time for conflict um, so in my mind I'm like okay I want to be involved in this so I better get to the front lines I better get um, arrested immediately I you know whatever I want to see action I want to see the tension but uh, a colleague and friend was reminding me recently about my long history of activism and justice work and the fact that actually most of it is uh, slow and steady and it's about making oneself available and it's about being prepared. Um, so I, I was reminded of when I was doing border work and the stories that I tell about it are like, oh yeah, I was hiking in the desert with, you know, medical supplies and um, water and we were encountering people who were, you know, had severe dehydration and we were rescuing people, all this stuff, whatever. Like, I've done border work in a number of different contexts and most of it was really boring. Most of it was just like hike, like casual hiking, basically. Um, when I was doing border work uh, in Agua Prieta, like a, a center where we were receiving people, which is kind of what the setup is here now, right? Like, 
we're receiving supplies, we're cataloging and inventorying them, we're waiting for folks to come pick them up to bring them to the front or occasionally making runs to do that ourselves and we are here to receive anybody who needs first aid or shelter or rest. And that's very similar to the border work I was doing and the stories I tell about that are like the times when it actually came together and there was a flood of people and all this action. But actually most of that work was just like weeks of me sitting and prepared and, and spending time with people in prayer and community and just like holding down the fort. And that's actually really important holy work. And so if you are not like me and the idea of action and the charge of everything is really overwhelming and you're like, I don't wanna be in the middle of that, know that actually one of the holy and important pieces of work you can do is if you're able to, to come, um, to take the risks involved with coming into a public space, is to staff Zao for a few hours where you will most likely be hanging out and drinking tea and yeah, like receiving phone calls um, and taking inventory and just like holding down a general spiritual support energy uh, for the movement. So that's, uh, I, will, I will stop my, my speechifying about that, but, um, but I, I want folks to know that you all have a place in this and even specifically in what we're doing at Zao if you want it. Um, if you want to take a shift, you can be anywhere in the world to take a shift and pray. Um, if you want to take a shift in person, you can do that. If you, you know, whether or not you're like, put me in coach, um, there actually is a space to come here and just hold down the energy. Um, and if you're like me, this is a, a humbling moment to say, actually, no, Jonah, your job right now is to inventory granola bars. And, and that may not be the fight you were looking for, <laughs> but it's the thing the movement needs. So, um, I'll end, end that speech, and then you want to tell people about this afternoon, the march? Yes. Sorry. This afternoon. <laughs> Sometimes I just talk for so long, I'm like, someone else should do it probably, right? I don't feel that way ever. Um, this afternoon, there is the, um, what is it? I don't want to say the wrong name, but it's, can somebody put it in the link? Because uh, I know y'all are, march are going. For march for Pride. Pride. Something. Yeah, somebody's going to do it, I believe. Anyway, but there is a, 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 a protest march. Um, it is pride-themed. Um, we're going to start at the festival, Summerfest Festival grounds. Um, and I would love it if, you know, all the, the Zao folks uh, come together and, and we do that together. Jonah will be helping with police liaisoning. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I would love to meet up with the rest of us and, like, uh, do a do a protest together. We have signs. Um, we have solidarity signs, and we have Black Lives Matter to God signs. Um, and I'd love to to make a meet spot. I would love to not choose that meetup spot because there's a <laughs> lot that I'm doing right now. Um, and so if somebody would like coordinate finding a meetup spot, that would be amazing. Um, but it would be really cool to do this as a community. Uh, it starts at one o'clock. So yeah, do that quickly. Yeah, and I mean, this community really shows out for Pride every year, um, and I hope that this year we have even more reason to do that, um, that it, it, Pride is getting back to its roots, as we were talking about earlier. Um, and for those of you who, uh, you know, need to protect yourselves in terms of social distancing, there is a very robust kind of effort around involving cars. So if you feel safe enough, if you're able to be in a car, um, that that's safe enough for your immune system and whatever risks, um, that that's another way to participate today. Um, we've gone for 45 minutes now, yeah. and so we'll, we'll stop, we'll stop, we'll Wrap stop. Um, but
but uh, but these are conversations we need to continue having. I saw um, Val comment in there about reading and education and ways that we can continue to educate ourselves. Um, she referenced the publisher Haymarket Books, which has put out a lot of incredible work on a lot of different things. So. Um, I highly recommend that. And actually, a book that you and I were talking about reading and now some friends and I are, are going to read together is a book called The End of Policing. I keep forgetting who it's by. Alex Vitali, maybe? Um, but it's The End of Policing. It's actually put out by Verso, is the publisher, V-E-R-S-O. And uh, it's sold out right now, which is, I assume, because of like increased demand, which is amazing. Because it's sold out and because they're a radical leftist publisher, they're making the, the ebook available for free. So you can download the end of policing for free right now. Um, and they should have it back in stock for hard copy distribution um, in, I think, two weeks. So uh, if you want to be reading what Cameron and I are reading, read the end of policing. Uh, and we'll we'll continue to have this conversation as a community. Can we call it? Yeah. Anything else? Just know that, yeah, we're going to sing a, well, not sing, but, mm. like, we are going to have a song after this. Um, it's called Rose Petals, um, and I will be off camera for the rest of the time because I guarantee I won't make it through it without crying. So, yeah, that's what I got. So to prepare ourselves for that, um, for this really powerful song that I also can't listen to without crying, um... Will you all join me in prayer? God of creation, God of the chosen people, God of black women, God, we need you right now. God, help us to find you in whatever spaces we occupy, whatever identities we hold. God, may we find your special word of truth and liberation for us an invitation into your holy work, an affirmation of the role we play in bringing your kingdom into this earth. God, may your kingdom come and may we be builders of it. And God, as we do this day in, day out work of building the kingdom, let us pause for rest and let us pause for lament. God, teach us to speak your truth in the many different varieties of feeling and emotion and space that it takes. And for now, God, will you speak truth through song, through the witness of black artists who have invited us into one of those spaces. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>